Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thanks for downloading. Hello and welcome to a special New Year's Six edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Not in Los Angeles, but instead in snowy Hanover, New Hampshire, I am the professor, Matt Perkins. And as always, in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, our intrepid coach and possibly switching to the offensive line this coming year, Corey Burton. What's going on, man? I, I don't I don't know how much of a possibility that actually is, but uh, we will, uh, you know, be uh, certainly in tune with that as the off season goes on. Excited to be here. Uh, the weather is great. Um, just finally got below seventy degrees during the day here. I feel like it's been the springtime, and I'm, I'm kind of all confused a little bit. Haven't been able to break into my new Christmas jackets that I got, so. Um, but uh, excited to be here, excited to be back with all you loyal fans uh, getting ready to preview these big-time bowl games. All right, all right. And the third member of um, the magnificent threesome that we have here, um, not in the second city, instead in La Jolla, California, a man who has been racking up the freaking flyer miles. Uh-huh. It's our intrepid blogger, Josh Cook. Yeah, you know, the snow in Chicago kind of messed stuff up. We uh, spent the night in Salt Lake City, got down here, did some family stuff, and uh, heading up to L.A. tomorrow for the Rose Bowl. All right. Well, uh, we will be getting to that Rose Bowl game here in a little bit. But uh, on this show, we're just having a quick one for you guys. We know uh, over you know over, over two-day span, we got a, a bunch of big games, so we want to uh, get a preview out there for everyone. And so uh, we're going to just run down the New Year's Six really quick. We're going to have a big bowl recap after all the bulls are done before the national title game. But uh, we want to do a quick preview of you know, six of the most important bowls that are coming. So – we are going to start uh, here um, with the Peach Bowl, where number eight, the number 18 Houston Cougars are taking on the number nine Florida State Seminoles in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in the Georgia Dome at noon Eastern on Thursday. Um, we've got, uh, you know, a really prolific offense um, by, uh, in, by of Tom Herman's uh, Houston team. So, uh, Josh, how what, what is Florida State going to have to do in order to stop Greg Ward Jr. in this really balanced attack? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I've said it multiple times whenever we talk about Houston. I, I don't think you really do stop them. I think they're going to get their points. What's the question to me in this game is Florida State without Everett Golston scoring against a Houston defense that's really underrated. I think they're 19th in the country scoring defense. So, um, it's almost like the old basketball adage, you know, Greg Ward's going to get his points. It's what you do against the other players. So I think that's really the matchup is going to come down to Florida State generating enough offense. Coach, are they just going to feed Dalvin Cook the rock? They should. Um, if they want any sort of success, if they want to help out Sean McGuire, uh, they're going to need a strong running game. Uh, play action is going to have to be really big in this one. Houston's defense is going to come hungry, ready to play. Uh, Dalvin Cook was a uh, – was a Heisman candidate, didn't quite make it to New York, probably should have, uh, but he, he was kind of one of those names that was in the mix the whole way, and, and, and they're going to love nothing more than to shut down a big-time 
uh, running back, and they got a chip on their shoulder. And, uh, you know, when we get in the offseason, you hear all these rumors every year about conference realignment. And, you know, I, I think right now they're trying to, to make position, position themselves for a spot in the Big 12. So they're going to come out. They're going to come out firing. Greg Ward Jr. is going to do his thing, as always. Um, but uh, Florida State's going to have to keep up. And if they're going to keep up, they're going to have to find a way to make running lanes for uh, for Dalvin Cook. And if they can do that, they can hold possession. They can keep Greg Ward Jr. off the off the field um, and then play field position battles and, and, and let their athletes go make plays. And, and that's how they're going to make their hay in the Peach Bowl. Um, and if they do that, they should win this game pretty comfortably. If they don't, Houston might cut, turn around and make this thing embarrassing for them. Absolutely, yeah. I think that you know this game's really going to come down to what can this Florida State offense do? Um, you know, because Houston's going to stack the box against Cook and make McGuire throw. And you know, McGuire can obviously throw a little bit, but it's not exactly like he's going to be um, you know the second coming of Tom Brady out there. So he's not, but I mean, he's serviceable. I mean, he's been. He's been spot starting all year long. I mean, his season stats, he's 90 of 145 for 1,128 yards, nine touchdowns and two inter- interceptions. Uh, I think he had, uh, you know, he had a few starts under his bow when Everett Goldstrom was going through his uh, injury stuff and um, and some of his bad play stuff. But, you know, McGuire's not a slouch. He's not a horrible quarterback, but he's not some guy you're going to put the game in the hands of. He's not, like you said, he's not a Tom Brady, but I think that, people underestimating uh, Sean McGuire is not being fair to themselves. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP for all the bowl games, but, you know, I don't think, I don't think they're in as bad a shape as people think they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Josh, I mean, the Knowles here are seven point favorites. Do you think that's, you know, that, that line's about right? Ah, well, I mean, lines are always about what makes Vegas the most money. I guess just gut feeling um, in the Yahoo Bull Pick'em League, I mean, I picked Houston. And I I just really like this Cougar team. I think Tom Harmon Harmon is uh, pressing all the right buttons. And that Golson thing is is very bizarre. Um, And I know McGuire's had playing time this year, but that's a big chip taken off the field. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I think the line's about right. Uh, I think Houston is, you know, people discounting Houston because they're in the American Athletic Conference is, is also burying their head in the sand. I think Houston has a lot of good athletes around the field, and, and they play well above their heads. And, and you're starting to see an uptick in recruiting too, which, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the Tom Herman effect coming into play. I mean, they're, they're paying them $3 million to be there for long term. So, you know, they're, they're committed now, and they're committed to winning, and, and they're starting to get some of these uh, – some of these better athletes and, and they're going to be on par with a lot of these big 12 teams in their own state. And, and I think they're going to, I think they're going to rise pretty fast and, and you're going to be surprised what kind of team Houston brings to the table. All right. All right. Well, uh, let's jump from, uh, let's jump from the, uh, let's jump here from the peach bowl to, uh, I guess the larger family, uh, the peach is a citrus fruit. So um, we'll, we'll jump in here to the citrus bowl um, with uh, the nine and three Michigan Wolverines taking on the 10 and three uh, Florida Gators in Orlando at one o'clock on new year's day. Uh, this is obviously 
um, you know, going to be a defensive showdown between two teams that have had really great defenses, but, uh, you know, up and down offenses and, uh, you know, coach, you know, what, what, what can Florida do uh, in order to, you know, in order to break this Michigan defense aside from just keeping the ball to Kelvin Taylor? Uh, to be honest, um, find a different quarterback. Uh, Treon Harris is a safety playing quarterback. I mean, he is not, he is far from a college quarterback in my opinion. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they just got to figure out a way to manufacture points. And uh, I think their best offense is going to be their defense. Um, to be honest, I think, you know, with Alex McAllister getting, um, you know, getting injured, I think that's going to be a, a, a big blow to the defense. Um, you know, you have wide receiver Brandon Powell. He's questionable with a foot problem. That's that's going to be troublesome for him. Um, Vernon Hargreaves uh, certainly doesn't hurt to have him in your secondary. He's, you know, he was the first Gators uh, unanimous All-American pick since 2009. He's coming out of the draft, but – you know, they, they got a tough task ahead of them. Michigan's defense is, you know, they're going to get after you. And, and, and they're, you know, they fly around and, and, and they really make plays and they really, they really make things happen. Um, Florida can't get out of the season quick enough. Uh, they bring in uh, Felipe Franks, um, freshman quarterback, coming in next year, going to hopefully help them out a little bit. But um, honestly, I, I think to answer your question, Matt, in a very roundabout way, um, their defense is going to have to be their best offense. I think they're going to have to just create turnovers and maybe score a few points and then just give them opportunities for Kelvin Taylor to, to do his thing. So um, if you're asking me who's going to win, I think Michigan's going to win this game. I think they're going to win it pretty handily because um, Florida's not going to be able to move the ball very well on them. Um, and I think Michigan, when they get their chances, they'll capitalize on them. And I, I think they'll win a very – this will probably be the most low-scoring game of the whole bowl season. Um, and when I say low-scoring, I mean, like, it's going to be 21-14 or something like that or 20-10 20, 20 to 10 or 17-10, to 10, somewhere somewhere in that ballpark. I think you're going to see a lot of defense, a lot of sloppy play probably um, because, you know, Florida's offense is horrendous. Uh, and then Michigan's offense is good, and I think that's going to be the difference. I think Jake Butt, Jordan Lewis, um, you know, they're coming, by the way, they're coming back for their senior season. Um, I think with them, I think it gives them the edge overall. Um, they have a few playmakers, whereas Florida only has Kelvin Taylor, and they can only go so far with the running game. Yeah, did know everything Coach said. I mean, this is a Michigan team that we kind of questioned maybe if they had hit the wall a little bit um, midway through this season when their defense stopped playing as well when they posted three straight shutouts, but fatigue's not going to be a factor in this one. It's been a long time since that Ohio State game, and that left a pretty bitter taste in their mouth, so they'll come out flying. And um, last but not least, you know, Jake Rudock, this is his last collegiate game. He uh, played in two bowl games at Iowa, didn't win either, so you know he's got that chip on his shoulder. And um, I was reading something that really fascinating, I think, is when you think about the history of Michigan football, that's a long, long time of success. Uh, Rudock threw three straight games this year with 250 passing yards, 
first quarterback to do that in school history. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's, you know, that's a little bit surprising, but when you think Michigan, you think, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing for the most part. So, I mean, that that's still a, a pretty amazing statistic from a guy. Josh, I know you've seen more Jake Rudock than – than you really care to see as an <laughs> Iowa fan. But, yeah. You know, no, I mean, I, I think it was kind of nice this year that Iowa and Michigan didn't have to face each other. You know, you certainly hope college kid ends his career the right way. So, I'm not going to – bygones are bygones. It is what it is, you know. It is what Iowa it is. Had a, Iowa had a good season. He had a good season. It was a perfect scenario. Josh, you got a pick on this game? Yeah, I'm taking Michigan pretty big. Coach? Michigan, uh, probably not as big as Josh, but uh, I like Michigan. Yeah, I, right. I'm thinking maybe I'm thinking maybe like twenty one three, twenty one six. I just don't see how Florida generates points. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think Florida's going to get about ten or thirteen points. Yeah, I, I think that I think if, if the only way they're going to score more than twenty is if they have multiple defensive and special teams touchdowns. So um, you know they're they're, they're going to need that in order to. Um, they're going to need that in order to really st- stay in the game. So, yeah, Kel- Kelvin Taylor's going to get one, and Vernon Hargreaves is going to get him one. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'd be surprised if Rudolph he threw anywhere in the vicinity of Hargreaves this whole game. Because uh, the, the I crazy say, part is he don't have to. <laughs> Hargreaves is going to find his way to that football. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, let's hop over to the Fiesta Bowl. A um, lot, lot of people think this is an intriguing, intriguing matchup between uh, the ten and two Fighting Irish in Notre Dame and the Ohio State University at eleven and one. Josh, uh, Josh, you, uh, you and I talked about this in your for your Pick'em League. I think you have this as the most points you have in any of your bowl games. Yeah, I did. I, I picked Ohio State. I think that the um, I think the Michigan State game got all the players to, to refocus and listen to Urban, made the message fresh again, and we saw that with them just dismantling a, a pretty solid Wolverine team. And um, when Ohio State plays up to that level, I'm not sure anyone can beat them. And it's kind of unfortunate for Ohio State that they don't always – perform up to that level and that's what urban needs to figure out as a coach because even last year you know they had the even as champions they had they the game where they duffed their toes against virginia tech and stuff so that's what urban's got to figure out but i I expect them to be up for that one notre dame is a team that everyone in the midwest loves to hate especially you know anywhere in the nation really (laughs) these are are two blue blood teams i think uh yeah two of the most hated teams let's face it yeah yeah, that's um, true. And also, f- for some reason, the last, you know, really since uh, since Jim Trestle came in, Ohio State's played a lot of games out in the Fiesta Bowl. I think they kind of like the desert out there. So I'll go with them. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I like to pick. I'm, I'm going to agree with you, Josh, and I know that's not going to make for a great, great radio for me to agree with you. Uh, I'm certainly <laughs> going to be rooting for Notre Dame uh, because uh, – you know, I'd like to make up of their team a little bit better. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a barn burner. Um, nope. Ezekiel Elliott is well, going to make bringing up rooting, If you're bringing up rooting interest, I'm going to be rooting that both teams get just horrible stomach flus and neither one can play and they have to cancel the game. That wouldn't be a bad option either. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, that, that actually might be uh, better for the for the good people of Glendale, Arizona, because then they'd have to go out to the bars <laughs> and spend more money. So, you know what? I'm I think I'm on board with you there. Sorry to cut you off, Coach. Oh, it's all good, man. I, I'm rooting for like some sort of like uh, you know some sort of issue at the stadium like hours before the game before anybody gets there, and you know it, that it's like one of those you know prolonged power outages where <laughs> like all the electrical electrical equipment is stripped out before the game and they can't play. Um, Bruce, Bruce Arians decides to have another practice. Yeah. Cards. And then, <laughs> and so um, their only option is, is to play out in the parking lot on the grass out in the parking lot um, in Glendale. And uh, they decided to just go ahead and cancel because it's too hot. And uh, yeah, but no, it, on a serious note though, I, I think that, you know, you're, you see a, a laser-focused Ohio State team. I think they're, I think they're hungry again. Um, I, I think they lost that focus because they were sitting on top of the world, and that's an easy thing to do. Um, you know, if you're sitting on top of the world and you're just dominating everybody you play against, you know, you're, you're eventually going to lose focus and, and you know, think that you can just walk out there, lay your jersey at the 50-yard line, and, and win the football game. And that's not the case. And Michigan State proved that, but. You know, they got refocused, and you saw what they can do when they're hitting on all cylinders. Because um, Michigan, they're in a New Year's Six bowl. It's not like it's not like they waltz out there and beat uh, Northeast Michigan A and M Tech Community College. Um, you know, on that last game of the season, you know they beat Michigan and they dismantled them and they beat them like a drum. And so you saw what all Ezekiel Elliott can do and what he brings to the table. Um, he's, he's going to the NFL. He's going to make, this is his statement game right here. This is his, this is his job interview. This is what he's going to put on tape for the NFL GMs. Hey, this is what I do in the big spotlight. And, uh, you're going to see a huge game out of Elliot. You're going to see a huge game out of whoever they decide to put a quarterback. I, I just think they're talented all across the board. They're built, you know, they're starting to be, they're starting to become built like an SEC football team, um, and that's kind of the, the recruiting element that Urban Meyer is bringing to that ball club. So, um, you know, I, I like Ohio State to win this game. I think they're going to win it big because I don't think Notre Dame's depth is there. I think it all got eradicated throughout the course of the season. Um, but I think that they can they'll, – they'll hang for a little bit, but I think Ohio State's going to – I think it's going to get ugly. It's going to be a bar burner for a while, and then Ohio State's going to find a way to pull away. Yeah, I mean, the zombie Irish are, you know, they, they are what they are. Sean Kaiser has, has been a revelation, quite frankly, for them, you know, coming in as the backup quarterback entering the year and coming out as the clear-cut guy for this program going forward. Uh, if they're going to have any, you know, if Notre Dame's going to have any luck on offense against Ohio State, they're going to have to um, probably, you know, you know, get move move to Sean Kaiser out of the pocket where he's not a sitting duck for Joey Bosa, and then uh, you know try to get the ball in the hands of guys like, guys like Will Fuller, um, who has you know who who really had a, a really nice season for the Fighting Irish. But you know, I'm with both of you guys. Ohio State should you know, they, they they should really run these dudes. Um, you know, uh, uh, give me Ohio State by you know 17 or 20 um, in this game. So uh, let's hop now 
to the granddaddy of them all in Pasadena, California. Whoa, Nelly. Whoa, Nelly. It's the Rose Bowl, presented by Northwestern Mutual, of course. And, uh, Josh, you are going to be in the house for this game. I know you are very excited uh, to see your Iowa Hawkeyes, your 12-1 and Iowa Hawkeyes, take on this 11-2 and Stanford Cardinal. Um, but as a Hawkeye fan, you must be terrified of Christian McCaffrey. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's just not – it's not just Christian McCaffrey. It's once they start doing that play-action game and letting Kevin Hogan shred you up. Um, you know, I was t- kind of talking about the game with my dad and we were thinking about what the defense should do. And I know – Stanford has some good receivers, and McCaffrey is one of that group as their leading receiver, but their specific wide receivers by actual position are not the greatest. I would I would put Mabin and Desmond King in single coverage, one safety deep, and another safety keep creeping up. Not quite eight in the box, but seven and a half kind of if that's a thing and just have just have that second safety being able to come up and respond because Kevin Hogan when Stanford has struggled it's because he isn't quite there yet to really pick you apart without having that play action game going and really developing the pass off the run so Iowa really needs to find a way to shut down McCaffrey in the run. But, of course, easier said than done. Yeah, they're going to have to find a way to shut him down in the pass game, the special teams game, the <laughs> uh, going to get the water game. Uh, whatever game it is that he's playing, they're going to find a way to shut him down. Um, just when you get him shut down in the run game, they're going to find a way to sneak him out on a wheel route. Or, you know, they're, they're, going, to try to, they're going to try to lure in Iowa uh, to load up the box on him. And then they're just going to break out and hit – all of a sudden, you're going to see McCaffrey, and you're like, "Where did he come from?" And he's going to teleport to the other side of the field, and they're going to they're going to find him, or you know, they're going to they're going to scheme up some sort of play action game for uh, to, to try to free up McCaffrey in the, in the passing game if they can't quite get it, get what they want to get in the run game. But you know, for Iowa, I think that this is going to be a good test to see what actually they are. Um, you know, I think the uh, the uh, well, the Big Ten Championship, I think it, it showed a lot, and I think this game is going to show a lot because Stanford is is built like a Big Ten team, so you're going to kind of see where they stack up again and just kind of see if, you know, this is going to be a – and I know the Michigan State game was, was, a, was a really big test for them, and I think this is going to be their last big true test to see what kind of team they have, uh, see what kind of medal they have. I think Stanford can struggle at times, even with Christian McCaffrey, and I think that – if they, you know, Iowa's chance to win is going to be, like you said, limit McCaffrey. Um, you know, allow him to get some of his yards. Treat him like like people used to treat Kobe Bryant. You know, you let him go off, but you shut down everybody else. You harass yeah, Kevin yeah. Hogan and make Bull him make mistakes. Analogies tonight. Make, yeah, make Kevin put the game put the game in the hands of Kevin Hogan. Harass him. Make him make so many horrible mistakes. That Ed, that Ed, that Christian McCaffrey can't bail him out. You know, Christian McCaffrey's three touchdowns can't bail out Kevin Hogan if he's throwing 
you know, three interceptions and fumbled the ball twice um, anytime they try to drop back to pass. And so they, they've just got to be there and they've got to harass and they've got to gang tackle and they've got to do everything they can uh, to shut down the rest of the offense. And, and a lot of what, a lot of what you see teams do against uh, teams like this. And I think you might uh, going back to the Florida state game, you might see Houston do this too. You might see Houston load up your seven and a half, eight men in the box, go press, press zero coverage on the, on the perimeter and, and, and just come after you. Um, I, I could see that kind of game plan. Um, and press zero coverage means uh, for all you um, non-football lingo speaking people, um, it just means they're going to lock up man coverage. And they're, gonna, they're going to not allow them to get off the line of scrimmage. And I don't think Stanford's receivers are, are, are anything that, that will scare you. So um, I, th- I just think they're a well-oiled machine and they, they play great as a team. I think Iowa um, has a really – really good chance at, at doing that and disrupting Stanford's game plan. Uh, I think Stanford is probably the best matchup they could have drawn in, in a New Year's Six Bowl because uh, they are most like the Big Ten um, as far as like lining down and trying to mash you. And I think Iowa matches up well to that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot like that Michigan State game that they just played. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's it, it, you know, it, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be Smash Mouth football. This is a this is going to be a classic Rose Bowl, I think. Um, and you know, I, I think we're, we're I think we're really in for a good one. Stanford's the favorite by six. Um, and you know what? I'm 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 taking the Hawkeyes in this one. I think that the Hawkeyes defense is uh, so, is so good that they are not going to give up. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to give it up. You know, they're not going to give up enough of, uh, you know, you know, I think they're going to be able to bottle up Christian McCaffrey as much as possible, keep punting away from him, kicking away from him, making it so that he can't, um, you know, really go off like he has against, you know, most of those Pac-12 teams. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the Hawkeyes here, uh, you know, 24 to 20. Uh, how about you, Coach? Um, I'm, you know what? I'm going to take uh, – I'm going to take Stanford to win the game. I think uh, – I think they're going to make a play late. I think it's going to be – they're going to kick a field goal. I think it's going to go to overtime. Uh, I think they win late uh, on, on a Christian McCaffrey. I think Christian McCaffrey's going to bail them out uh, at the very end. So I'm picking Stanford. Josh? Sorry, Josh. Well, no, that's not right. I think the smart thing to do it really is to take Stanford. I, I guess if there's two things as an Iowa fan that – well, I'm going to say three things. As an Iowa fan that has given me a little bit of – more hope than I think most people realize nationally. Uh, this is not a vintage David Shaw defense. They finished up 38th in the country in scoring defense, giving up 23 points per game. That, that's really not what we're used to with the Stanford team. And even in some of their wins, they were giving up quite a few points. Cal put 22 on them, Notre Dame 36, Washington State 28. I mean, th- there's an opportunity for Iowa to put up some points in this game. And then the other thing is, um, so that's point one. Uh, the second point I was going to say was uh, Kirk Ferentz, for whatever reason, just has a real knack at having the team really, really prepared. In their six losses, um, only the Tax Slayer Bowl last year against Tennessee and his first Orange Bowl appearance were really got out of hand. Other than that, he's – kept us in games even when we were big underdogs. There was one year where Iowa came to the bowl game 
uh, six and five, and I think Texas was nine and three, and we're like, why are we playing these guys? And we only lost by a field goal. Um, so that was point number two. And uh, point number three was just going to be all they need to do is after all the game tape, this is how they should spend their New Year's Eve. They pop in one VHS, and that's the Stanford-Northwestern game. And then as soon as that's done, they put on their tape of the Northwestern-Iowa game. Sure, and, then just, and then just go to sleep with that as their last image of a team that we killed beat the team we're playing. I think that would be a good little psychological thing at the end of the night. I like that oh, they're yeah. still using VHS at the University of Iowa. They got some real, uh, real high-tech equipment there. Well, you know, someone knocked over the laser disc player the other day. <laughs> yeah, to go back. <laughs> what happened to the Betamax? Uh, you know, we don't like that Japanese stuff. Oh, it's got to be American. American. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, American things and uh, and hop over to the Sugar Bowl, um, where the ten and two Oklahoma State Cowboys are uh, taking on the nine and three Ole Miss Rebs. Uh, the Rebs are favored by seven and a half points in this game in the Superdome. It's the nightcap for everyone on New Year's Day. Everyone is, you know, still nursing that hangover. Maybe they're drunk again. Who knows? Um, all I know is that there are going to be a lot of points put up in this game. So, uh, Coach, I'm, I'm going to start this with you. You know, you're an SEC guy. Um, uh, you know, w- you know, what do you, you – you think that Laquan Treadwell is going to have, you know, sort of the game of his life here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's going to feast on this one. Uh, I think you're going to see, you know, he's going to be a top five receiver in the in next year's draft, uh, no doubt. Uh, I think Ole Miss, uh, I think that the main factor here is uh, – Actually, going looking back on their loss last year, they uh, they got absolutely dismantled and destroyed, and uh, ran ran out of the building against TCU in the Peach Bowl last year. I think they're going to look to atone that, and, and I think that the Rebels have really proved me wrong all season long. I, I've been been saying all year long, and I think I think they're listening to this podcast because. You know, they come out and play the exact opposite way that I that I say that they are. You know, I keep saying they're soft. I keep saying that they're just not there, but maybe they are. Maybe maybe I maybe I need to quit kicking over the Kool Aid on them and, and start maybe drinking a little bit of it because Laquan Treadwell is special. Chad Kelly is a ten times better quarterback than I was ever giving him credit for, especially at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, they've had some impressive wins. Um, they found a way to to, uh, to to get five turnovers out of Alabama. That's that's unheard of. They don't do that ever. Um, and they found a way to do it uh, and capitalize off of it. I mean, you know, I just like the way their team's put together. Uh, their defense really flies around, plays a lot better than, than people would think, and plays a lot better than I ever gave them credit for. Um, the one factor uh, defensively that's going to hurt them, uh, Robert Kimdichi, uh fell 15 feet twice from a window in mid-December, had to be hospitalized. Um, you know, he was charged with misdemeanor marijuana possession following the incident. He's suspended for the bowl game. Um, so that'll hurt. Uh, that'll hurt the defense a little bit. I don't think it hurts him enough because Oklahoma State, kind of down the stretch, they kind of sputtered a little bit. Um, you know, they just they just looked un- – they look so impressive for a while. I drank the Kool-Aid and gagged on it. Um, they finished with so much promise, and then they finished 10-2 and two, uh, down the stretch. Ole Miss finishing 9-3. and three. 
Um, one of those losses being a crazy fourth and 25. Guy literally flings it over his head, has no clue where he's throwing it, uh, somehow converts that, and they, they lose to Arkansas. Uh, they found a way to lose to, to Memphis, and I think they just came into that game overconfident. And then, uh, you know, of course. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's uh, – I, I think, honestly, I think Ole Miss is going to win big in this one. I think Laquan Treadwell is going to be the hero of this game, and you're going to – you're going to walk away going, my God, I, I, I hope I'm a fan of the NFL team that picks this guy. You know, he's going to be the next great receiver. And, uh, you know, you hope to see him on your NFL team uh, in the future. So um, whoever's lucky enough to be in the top five is going to get a stud in Laquan Treadwell. And uh, I think Chad Kelly can hold his own too. So uh, I like Ole Miss big. Yeah, you know, you look at Ole Miss's uh, schedule and you see a common theme, and that's 27 points. Seems to be a pretty magical number for them. They went 8-1 and one when scoring that. So then you go over and look at Oklahoma State's defense. Well, they give up 29 points per game. That's 86th in the country. So if the averages play out, you've got to love the Rebs in this game. So I'm taking Ole Miss for a lot of the same reasons Corey took and um, hey, you know what? I've been – whatever the opposite of a bandwagon is, I've been, like, throwing rocks at the Okie State bandwagon all year. I might as well throw another one. You, you've been uh, – you've been what's the, what's the strip that they throw down in the middle of the road, the spike strip? You're, you're, yeah. You're, you're, you're the spike strip thrown down <laughs> in the middle of the road in front of the Oklahoma State bandwagon. I guess, man. I don't know. It's just something about them. I don't have a reason not to like them. I just – I just don't think they play enough defense, and that's been my motto all year about them. Yeah, I've been if if coach uh, you know if coach uh, you know was choking a little bit on on the Kool Aid there, I freaking drown in the Oklahoma State Kool Aid. So um, <laughs> you know it's oh man, it is what it is at this point. But yeah, I, I think that uh, Ole Miss, even with the loss of of Kim DJ, possibly two Kim DJs, who knows? Um, you know, I, I still think that they have enough. They've got enough talent and they've got enough um, experience on this team that they should win this game. So uh, with that, let's hop to the two uh, national semifinals. We'll start at the Orange Bowl uh, where uh, number one Clemson, undefeated ACC champion 13-0 Clemson, is an underdog to number four Oklahoma, the champions of the Big 12, um, who have one true champion at 11-1. Um and, you know, this is going to be offense versus offense here. Uh, you know, they've uh, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, two of the best quarterbacks in the country going at it. Uh, you know, Josh, what, what, what's your key to the game here? My key is the unheralded Oklahoma defense. They are actually 21st in the country, allowing under three touchdowns a game. If they can find a way to corral the always dangerous dual threat Deshaun Watson, you gotta love their chances in this game because just based on pure offensive numbers, Clemson doesn't have as good an offense as Oklahoma. So the only way Clemson really wins because Oklahoma, um, Clemson's defense isn't as good as Oklahoma's is either statistically. So both things favor the sooner. So the only way to change that is phenomenal quarterback play, which Watson is certainly capable of. But if OU's defense finds a way to corral him, and I said 
it with the Stanford game. It's it's easier said than done. You know, it's it's great to say, oh, if we just shut down the player, we have a chance in the game. I mean, that's that's obvious. So, good luck to uh, to Stoops and his brother for scheming up a way to slow down Watson. But I do like Oklahoma to win. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm picking Clemson, uh, and I, I think that you know I think the the key factor here is Brent Venables, a former Oklahoma. Uh, defensive coordinator. He knows the program. He knows Bob Stoops. Um, I, I think this is going to be his dream game to, to plan for uh, his former boss and, and trying to beat him in, in, in the playoff game. I think Sprint Venables um, should have. Uh, I think for what he did with the Clemson defense, I think he should have been in, in uh, good contention for the Broyles award, but that went to Lincoln Riley of the Sooners. Um, you know, I I think my key is for uh, for Clemson, if they can shut down – actually, if they shut down Samaje Pirine, um, maybe they can make Oklahoma at least one-dimensional. And if, if Clemson – Clemson's the type of defense, if they turn you into a one-dimensional team one way or the other, they're going to get after you. Because if, if you can't beat them in one aspect of the, of the offense, they're going to certainly exploit that and they're going to harass you all night long. Shaq Lawson's the kind of guy that's going to get after get after your quarterback. Um, and then uh, Ben Bowler at linebacker is is, uh, is very tough in the run game. He's, he's a guy that can cover a lot of ground, make a lot of big plays from the linebacking spot. And then, of course, you know, you have, uh, you know, uh, why am I drawing a blank here? McKenzie Alexander at corner. Um, yeah, you know, Coach, I'm you know, sorry to cut you off, but, but the key matchup to me in this game is going to be the matchup between Mackenzie Alexander and Sterling Shepard, the All-American wide receiver from Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. You know, Shepard has been one of the most prolific receivers since he uh, stepped foot in Norman um, as a freshman this year. 79 catches, 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. You know, he's, uh, you know, he is definitely Mayfield's safety blanket. And Mackenzie Alexander, you know, we talked about how much we love Vernon Hargreaves. Uh, we got equal amount of love for, for Mr. Yeah. Alexander out there. He, if, if there. If there's two cornerbacks that can handle Sterling Shepard, it's Mackenzie Alexander and Vernon Hargreaves. Those are two guys that I would say lock up on, on Shepard, and you got him. Lock him up. Yeah, just just, just falling around all night. And so yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what Mayfield does as for his secondary and tertiary options in the passing games because we know how much he loves to go to Shepard. Well, if, if, if Alexander's got him, you know, he's not going to be open. So, uh, you know. I, I, I think, you know, honestly, if Oklahoma can't get into the run game, uh, I think they're going to be severely limited in, in the passing game because Clemson has McKenzie Alexander locking down Shepard. And they can get after you um, in, in pass rush. So I think if Clemson can make them one-dimensional, they'll be they'll be just fine. And if they can't, they won't be. And for, for the Sooners, um, they're going to have to just make, put Watson on the run. Uh, and they're just going to have to chase him around. Um, he's going to get yards scrambling. He's going to hit some – he's going to hit a couple of big plays. Just try to limit it as much as you can. Uh, keep him on the run, harass him as much as possible, hit him as much as you can, try to rattle him. That's going to be a very hard task to do. But Wayne Gallman is not a game breaker at tailback. He does he does well enough to keep him to keep him uh, out of being one dimensional. But if you can harass Watson and try to get as many hits on him, just try to flush him as much as you can, get him uncomfortable. Um, you know that's your best chance to win for the for the Sooners defense. And then 
for their for their offense. Sterling Shepard's going to have to find a way to uh, to shake Alexander, um, and then for Clemson uh, offensively, uh, they're just going to have to uh, try to do it without Deion Kane, and because uh, he got sent home home for uh, failing a drug test, and two other guys that got sent home don't contribute. So I'm not really going to mention their names, but Deion Kane was a uh, was an option at wide receiver. Uh, for what became a very thin bunch, um, Artavis Scott's going to have to uh, carry the load for the for the Clemson wide receivers, um, and then of course Gallman's going to have to step up huge if they're going to be successful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, uh, Josh is going with Oklahoma. Coach is going with Clemson. I also think, Coach, you don't have a choice. If you didn't go with Clemson, your wife would slap you upside the head. But um, you well, know. I could still root for Clemson, even if I don't pick them. But uh, I think they're going to win. I, I'll. That, Abel Sweeney is one of my favorite coaches. Uh, so is Brent Venables. I, I'm really a big fan of Brent Venables and what he brings to the table. Yeah, I, I, I know you are. And for me, you know, my my head says Oklahoma, my heart says Clemson. And I'm an emotional guy, so I'm going with Clemson. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely not only be rooting for them, but I'm I'm picking them uh, because, I you know, Dabo seems to have this aura around him this year. And, I you know, I, I think they, they might be a team of destiny. So, um, let's hop over to uh, our, our final New Year's Six game. Uh, that's uh, the Cotton Bowl from Jerry World, and uh, where we will see the number two Alabama Crimson Tide uh, taking on the number three Big Ten champion, twelve and one Michigan State Spartans. Bama is a ten point favorite, um, but they were in the same position last year against Ohio State, and Ohio State, um, you know, blew their doors off. So, uh, but don't think we're going to see see the same kind of game this year like we did last year, uh, right, Josh? No, it's going to be a hard hitting game to say the least. Uh, Alabama's second ranked defense in the entire country at just about 14 points per game. Uh, Michigan State with a top 20 defense that's gotten a lot better. Most of their points were in some goofy performances early in the year, but they certainly locked that thing down late as the season wore on. Um, I, I just think I just think Michigan State's a little more battle-tested as we come into the final stretch. Um, Alabama played 10 bowl teams on the year, MSU – Nine, but if you look at their last few games, Alabama played Charleston Southern, that woeful Auburn team, and then the anemic Florida State or Florida team, excuse me, in the uh, SEC title game. Whereas Michigan State's end run was Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State. They had, you know, a lot, lot better competition there in their last few games. So. Uh, call me a Big Ten homer, but I, I don't know why this is a 10-point game. You look at Alabama's uh, margin of victory over those bull teams outside of the Mississippi State and the Georgia game, they were all pretty close. You know, 18-13-5, you know, pretty tight games. So I think Michigan State hangs around. I don't know why this is a two-score game. And um, I don't know. You mentioned Team of Destiny for Clemson. I kind of see that with the Spartans. I, I got them winning 24-21. I think they find a way to, to get some turnovers with uh, uh, shaky quarterback play that we've been talking about all year with Alabama. I think they relish the opportunity to shut down Derrick Henry. Um, we mentioned 
Houston's defense get an opportunity to opportunity against a Heisman caliber running back? Will Michigan State's prideful defense gets to go against the Heisman Trophy winner? There's just something about this Sparty team, and and Connor Cook does not know how to lose games. No, he's thirty four and four uh, in his career. Uh, he's banged up though. His sprain throwing shoulder. It's improving. Uh, I think he's doing everything in practice, so it shouldn't be an issue. Uh, another storyline to watch here is uh, with all the coaching changes going on, there's a lot of it happening in Alabama this year. Kirby Smart taking the head coaching job at, at University of Georgia. Um, he decided to coach the Tide throughout this uh, playoff run, which is the right thing to do. But typically coordinators for these in these type of games don't fare too well. Mark Richt, um, the last Georgia head coach uh, to get hired, um, if you remember the 13 to two national championship game, they lost to Bob Stoops in Oklahoma. That was probably one of Mark Rick's worst games of his entire career as a coordinator uh, to that point. Um, and he admitted that it was a mistake that he, uh, that he stayed on and coached Florida state through that bowl game. Cause he said he wasn't a hundred percent in it. Um, so you fear uh, Bama for, if you're an Alabama fan, you fear the same uh, fate for uh, with Kirby smart and also rumored to have uh, hired defensive backs coach Mel Tucker to come with him um, and some other people uh, that he's trying to get on board as well. Jeremy Pruitt came over from Georgia. He's been kind of lurking. He's going to be the new defensive coordinator when Kirby leaves. Um, so there's a lot going on at Alabama right now, lots of movement happening, lots of distractions around the program. Um, but let's not take away from what, what a talented team they are. Derrick Henry won the Heisman. He topped 100 yards in more than in nine games, 200 on four occasions. He rushed for almost 2,000 yards on the season. Probably would have done so um, had they not played Charleston Southern and if he had played past the first quarter. Um, but, uh, the, you know, what I want to talk about is Michigan State's defense. They've allowed 20 and a half points per game, um, which is incredible uh, seeing the caliber of teams they play against. The Big Ten is one of those conferences they've – for as much crap and as much flack as they've taken, they have really showed out. And, uh, you know, it, it leads you to believe. And, and, and it's not the Ohio States, the Iowa's, and Michigan States of the world that's going to prove how good this conference is. What proved, what proved to me how good and how tough this conference is was watching Nebraska. Uh, five, they were a 5-7 and seven Big Ten team, a team that we thought was just absolutely miserable. And they go out and they – dominate their bowl game they dominated so so badly i forgot who they dominated to be honest with you the Bruins, UCLA. UCLA. Oh, yeah that's right matt's brother um but uh yeah yeah like i said they they put such a butt kicking on ucla that i forgot they even put the butt kicking on ucla i mean it just goes to show you how tough the conference is and, and how tough the test is week in and week out i mean indiana got robbed um and they're a team that, you know, their basketball team could have suited up in football pads and probably would have fared better. Um, but they, <laughs> but uh, not this year. Not, really, not this year. No, definitely not this year. Um, and I really like that quarterback, uh, Sudfeld, uh, that they have out there. And I think they're, they're a team that's, that's vastly improving. I think Minnesota's a team that's kind of sitting right there in the weeds. Uh, Purdue is, uh, Purdue's Purdue. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Iowa. In the, in the words of Jalen, not going to be able to do it. 
Yeah, not going to do it. So <laughs> Purdue, yeah, they're still Purdue. Uh, Penn State's just kind of sitting there hoping to, to maybe get uh, Matt Rule. <laughs> blow the lid off the program, but they're they're kind of sitting there. They're getting slightly talented each and every year. James Franklin, you know, will be interesting to see next year if he can do his thing. Um, so, I mean, and then you have Wisconsin too. And, you know, they're you know they're they're in a tough contest right now with USC as we record this. So, you know, just the just the overall test that Michigan State's gone through week in and week out is just. You know, they're they're more and, and Josh, you brought this up earlier. They're more uh, they're more adversity trained. Uh, Alabama really hasn't gone through much adversity this year. They lost to Ole Miss, and that's about it, really. I mean, you think of any game that that became interesting to them, uh, just you can't you can't think of one. They've dominated everybody they've played, and when you're faced with adversity, teams like that that cruise through their schedule don't usually end up faring too well. And uh, I think teams like Michigan State, where they've had to do it week in, week out, where they've been the less talented but playing better team, uh, like the, the win they had against Michigan. You know, Michigan, if you look at them, if you look at the rosters and you look at the stars, Michigan's more talented than Michigan State. Let's be honest. Star rankings, they're more talented. Let's be honest. But Michigan State is, is well-coached. They have a chip on their shoulder, and they play 10 notches above their head, which goes a long way. Um, and, and I'm not saying they don't have talented people. I just think across the board, uh, quality quality depth, I think that's where Michigan State talent-wise kind of falls behind. But, you know, their first unit top in the country. Uh, one of my favorite players is Shalit Calhoun, 10 and a half sacks. Are you kidding me? So um, long story short, I think they're going to harass Jake Hook. Jake Coker, I think they're going to get after him tremendously. I think Derrick Henry's going to have 150 yards. He's going to score twice, but it's not going to be enough. I'm going to pick the Spartans in this one. I think that they're going to make they're going to make some another huge special team play towards the end of the game uh, to give themselves this win. I think they're going to knock off Bama, um, and Derrick Henry's going to have Derrick Henry's going to have a Derrick Henry type day, but it's not going to be enough. I think that their defense is going to be uh, resilient enough, battle tested enough adversity proven enough and, and just flat out tough enough to stand up to every punch that Bama's going to throw to them, and they're going to win. Well, we, that I think we might be the only uh, college football podcast that has a sweep for the choices uh, for now. winning the game, except for maybe the Spartans, Spartans report or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm drinking the Kool Aid, Matt. It tastes really the, the the green Spartan Kool Aid tastes really good, actually. Our ratings in East Lansing have just gone through the roof. Well, and and, and incidentally, no one is listening now in Ann Arbor, and, uh, and in Tuscaloosa, they've got our pictures uh, on uh, scarecrows uh, <laughs> hanging in effigy. Yep. The uh, folks of Tuscaloosa are desperately looking for trees to poison, and they're desperately and they're desperately turning that radio dial, Paul Feinbaum. Oh well, I mean, I I didn't know it moved from Paul Feinbaum in the in the first place. So well, they uh, wanted to check us out, and then we picked Michigan State, so they just went back. Well, uh, any 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 uh, closing thoughts uh, for you, Josh? Yeah, um, you know, I I've meant. This weird theory of mine to t- so many people. I can't remember if I talked about it on the pod or not. 
But if I did, it was many, many weeks ago, so I'll just reiterate it now. But I don't know why, but I have a strange feeling that this is Saban's last team to possibly win a title. He's 64. He's kind of had that old man vibe where he's complaining about, you know, the up-tempo offenses. He's complaining about NFL draft rankings. He's losing members of his staff. I I just think, and I'm not saying Alabama is going to go away because they're still going to compete in the West every year. But I just think that this is their last chance to really have a good shot at winning two games in a row to make a national title run. It, it just feels like the end of an era for him. I'm getting that old man vibe from Nick Saban. Yeah, I, I do too, but I think he's going to stick around for another six years. I think he's going to retire in Alabama. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, he may not have that hunger, but you never know. It's Nick Saban. It is. You, it never, is. Well, you never really know. But uh, my, cl- my closing shot, Matt, I wanted to just give a shout-out to the Tax Slayer Bowl. Um, there's going to probably probably be just as many people watching that game as there were at the Music City Bowl. But uh, this is the last chance that uh, Georgia will have to play uh, before Kirby Smart takes over. Uh, Brian McClendon's moving on to take a position at South Carolina. He's the interim head coach, so I'm rooting for him. I know him personally, so um, kind of root for him to do some good things. Wish it was at Georgia, but that couldn't be the case. So, uh, I'm going to keep my eye on that. I'm also keep my eye on the Alamo Bowl uh, coming up on Saturday as well. That's going to oh. be another good post-New Year's game. So Yeah, we'll all definitely be watching the Alamo Bowl. So, um, so I, I, also had, I also had one super quick thing, talk about small world moment and uh, something to keep an eye on. This is uh, USC's last game where Helton tonight is co- calling the plays. Next year he's turning it over and giving a promotion to – Here's a blast from the past, T. Martin. T. Martin, baby. Ooh, and, Martin. I mean, he was one hell of a quarterback back in the day for Tennessee. He's the one who won a national title, not Peyton. And you, and, know, you know who else is on that staff, Josh? Well, I mean, Marcus Homer was. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about at USC. Mar- oh. Marcus Tuiasosopo. Nice. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, been, he's been circulating around the Pac-12 a little bit. I, You know, it's good to see him uh, – Two quarterback coaches on the same roster. That's pretty uh yeah. Pretty crazy. I, I, I'm just curious. I'm I'm curious to see how that USC offense works next year. And that might be a name we, we come back to if we're doing this podcast for enough years where we say, Oh, did you see that so and so hired T Martin? Because man, if he if he can coach the way he plays, that USC offense is gonna be humming next year. Oh, I have I have no doubt about it. He's been an up and comer the last couple of years. He's, you know, he's a real smart guy. If you've, if you've heard him in any of the press conferences, like, you know, he, he loves talking X's and O's. Uh, you know, he is, you know, he, he's definitely going to be someone who's going to make a big name for himself in the coaching ranks. So. Well, Professor, your, your first task when you get back out west is you got to get T. Martin on our show. Oh, well, uh, you know what? Uh, uh, I, you know, I got him on speed dial. I'll, I'll see what I can do. So. There you go. All right. Well, for the coach, uh, uh, Corey Burton, and for our intrepid blogger, Josh Cook, this is the professor, Matt Perkins, saying so long and see you next time. And a happy new year from the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. All right, all right, all right. Happy new year. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. 
To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.